Okay, he's not always happy. Now, he loves us all, but he's not always happy. And so this morning, uh, I'm, we're going to talk about uh, uh, this phrase, shift. Preparing your ways for greater days. And this is going to dovetail into us making a big difference in our world and just taking my, my friend and, and world changer who leaned into me after 70-something years, oh, about 60-something years of ministry, leaned into me yesterday morning at IHOP and said, I feel something in me about your church family. I feel it. I said, boo, I'll take it. I come to tell you, I believe we're going somewhere. Look at five people or touch three or four people and say, we're going somewhere somewhere you better get on board amen i believe that today shift preparing your ways for greater days everyone say that line preparing your ways for greater days now turn with me to isaiah 54 this is our launching pad this is what stirs me up this morning it says this, sing, O barren one, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. Now that's controversy to common uh, uh, nature, isn't it? Barren people not normally happy. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. In other words, Isaiah is prophesying greater days. Tell somebody greater days. Say, greater days, greater ways. And so we've got to find ourselves in a place where we're ready for greater days. We've got to prepare our ways for greater days. So he says, more are the children of the married woman, says the Lord. And so now here comes some preparation. You see, God speaks prophetically. Listen, just because my friend leaned into me and spoke a prophetic word over us as a church family yesterday morning at 8.30 at IHOP in the middle of the crowdedest, most crowded restaurant in Beaumont and leaned in and spoke a prophetic word, it doesn't mean it'll come to pass. It means we better prepare ourselves for what God says. And so God says, he says this, he says, uh, hey, even though you're barren, I'm going to make your children more than the desolate, uh, children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. So enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out their curtains or their dwellings, uh, do n- uh, of their dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you shall not be ashamed. Somebody say amen. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will, be, will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband. Let me just throw this out. If you're a widow here today or even a single parent mom, let me tell you something. You are not alone. Now, this is a bigger picture than just this, but let me just speak to all the the widows and the single parent moms here today. Your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called, he is called the God of the whole earth. 
For the Lord has called you like a a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says the Lord. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercy, somebody say amen, with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And I think we ought to give the Word of God a great big clap offering of praise and say hallelujah. Woo! I'm telling you, this gets my motor running. Man, I've been, I've been in the presence of, of God. I've been in the presence. In fact, every morning I've been asking God for, how about you? You've been asking God for wisdom. I pray you've been asking God for wisdom. And all you're getting, Proverbs 4 says, get wisdom. That's the ability to live life skillfully in a sinful, uh, down, uh, um, trodden and, and helpless and hopeless world. In all our getting, get wisdom. I've been asking God for wisdom. I've been in the presence of God. I've been in the presence of wise men. And I'm telling you that God is up to something. And He's got something He wants to do in your life. It doesn't matter where you are. Come on, I'm just prophesying a little myself this morning. Hey, you've got to prepare your... God has greater days for you. Greater days. Somebody say greater days. He's got greater days for you. It's not over for you. Just because you feel barren, helpless, and hopeless. Hey, God takes those things and does miracles in your life. And he'll turn that around. But we've got to prepare our ways for greater days. Did you catch it? You got it this morning? Amen. Shift. Let me tell you something. Successful progression in life, progress, may require you to shift. And here's the definition. To change. To transfer from one place to another. To change gears. To reposition. Now you, let's read this together because this is something that should be going on in all of our lives on some level. Whether we like it or not, it happens. And so let's, let's embrace it this morning. The word shift, the definition, everybody read it out loud. To change, to transfer from one place to the other, to change gears, to reposition. My friend, we need to come to a place in life where God can shift some things in us. Thank you, Jeremy. Where God can change some things in us, where he can reposition us, where he can move us from one place to another, where we will allow him to, 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 to bring increase and in greater days in our midst. You see, preparing for greater days will undoubtedly require shifting to happen in your life. Changes to happen in your life. Shifting of places and things and, and situations in your life. I'm not just talking about, you know, geographically for goodness sake. I'm talking about internally. You gotta change gears, shift gears to reposition things in your life so he can prepare you for greater days. That's what Isaiah said. He said, let me tell you something. There's greater days for you. You're moving from barrenness to blessedness. Everyone say from barrenness to blessedness. God wants to do that in your life. He wants to do that in our church. He wants to do that in Southeast Texas. He wants to do that in your marriage, for goodness sake. He wants to do that with your kids, for goodness sake. But we've got to prepare ourselves. We've got to change some things and be willing to change. It requires some shifts in our life. And so if you're not willing to shift, 
You'll not, you'll not see the blessedness of God. You'll miss God's greater days for your life. I know tons of people, you, you probably do as well, who just refuse to let God do anything in their life. They, they think they've come this far and that's as far as they need to go. And they just say, this is the way it is. This is the way I am. And they get stuck in life and they miss God's best for their life. And they miss God's greater days. And they end up uh, living and dying an old miserable life because they resisted change in their life. I think of the children of Israel when they were in Egyptian bondage. God wanted to deliver them, of course, from the, from the Egyptian bondage into the promised land. And things had to change in their life. Let me tell you about them. There were some changes quickly. They had to have a shift of mindset. So if you're going to prepare your ways like the children of Israel, you got to change the way you think. Now, these these children of Israel, they grew up in Egypt. They had lived in Egypt. They knew nothing but slavery in their life. And God comes along and he's going to deliver them. And at Exodus 13, uh, they had to shift who they are. In fact, I wish I had time to go over there. You read the first few verses. Moses tells them, he said, listen, from this day forward, you need to mark this down. From this day forward, God's bringing you out of Egypt out of slavery. You are no longer a slave. Now, if you've been a slave all your life, you would think that would be easy. But did you know they got half, they got into the wilderness just a few days and they started grumbling and that old slave mentality creeped back into them and they said to them, we had it better in Egypt. We had it better when we were slaves. And so they had a, it took them 40 years for that old stuff, that old junk to die out and a new mindset to slip in where the new blood that was born out in the wilderness and didn't know what it meant like to be a slave could rise up and say to Joshua, hey, we're all in. Let's go in and possess the land. Children of Israel had a shift of mindset. Number two, they had a shift. That was a shift from fear to faith. If you look at Exodus 14, you'll realize the, the scripture says this, that, that Moses said, do not fear. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Don't fear these Egyptians. You feared them all your life. It's time to shift. It's time to change. It's time to stand up and have faith in God. Children of Israel had a shift of mindset. They had a shift from fear to faith. And then when they crossed over the River Jordan uh, and the God, uh, the, pardon me. See, you better catch me theologically. They crossed over the Red Sea and then the seas came in and drowned the Egyptians. They had a big shift and it went from sadness to gladness. They sang songs. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. I will sing unto the Lord. Oh, man. They got glad. They always had a problem with that because the, the, they, at one point, they, the, the psalm says they hung their harps on the willow trees. And they, and, and, and they were made fun of. They, they, they laid down the song of the Lord. That, I think that's one thing. But go back to Isaiah 54. These barren people who were in barrenness, the first de- declaration, sing, O barren one. Did I get too excited there for y'all? Sing. Some of y'all, some people get nervous when the preacher gets excited. Sing, O barren one. And so children of Israel had to shift from, from sadness to gladness. And then we know in this 40-year journey that they ended up having to have a shift of leadership from Moses to Joshua. 
And so there's shifts that came in the children of Israel's life, changes that had to come in the children of Israel's life. Let me tell you about change. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, he's going to tell us about change. He's going to tell us about, let me tell you about change. Change is a few things. I'm going to give you five things this morning just to kind of get your motor running a little bit. Number one, change is this, inevitable. We live in a world that's changing all the time. Nature has proven that on some level, everything changes. At conception, you begin to change. Things are always changing. My son Nathan lives in Dallas, and so we don't get to see him every day. And, and so he got to come for his mom's birthday, and he just, uh, like, 24 hours stayed with us. And, and we had such a great time together. And then this morning, I saw him on live stream, and he was playing my 43-year-old guitar. Uh, and so I sent him a little uh, note. said, boy, you got a fine-looking guitar there, son. And he sent me out of back a great text after worship was over. I told my wife, you know, we don't see our son much, but when we do, we see changes in him. He's, he's spiritually maturing and growing and because we don't see him all the time, those changes seem to be more evident. But let me just tell you something on some level. Hey, it's, it's inevitable. It's undeniable. And we've got to embrace it. Ask any woman who's ever been pregnant if things don't change. Ask any senior saint woman if things don't change. In fact, they got a name for it. She's going through the change. It's inevitable. I've said this all the time, and you need to keep this in your mind. The God who never changes is always busy about the business of changing things. In fact, when you look at Scripture and you look at the children of Israel, you look at life, before He could do anything, things had to change. He could just come up randomly do things. Things have to change. And so either he would change it or our or, or humanity would change. It's inevitable. Everyone say change is inevitable. Number two, change can be uncomfortable. Everybody say uncomfortable. When we first came to, came from Quitman here, our kids were raised in Quitman and that change, a place, a change of location, a change of, 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 of venue, a change of ministry, everything changed, everything changed. And I thank God for our pastor Ron and, 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 uh, Golden Triangle Church on the Rock, how they helped us through those changes and helped us. But I'll never forget us sitting in the little, in the living room with all the furniture gone and we're all sitting there and I'm kind of crying and thinking about we're, boy, we're leaving our little house on the lake and little Laura Beth, the youngest of the bunch, didn't understand change as much. And she, we had a prayer and I'm getting all teary-eyed and I think she jumped up and said, come on, it's time to go. <laughs> it wasn't as uncomfortable for her as it was for me. Maybe she knew she'd meet Josh somewhere along the way. I don't know. But it's uncomfortable. Change is uncomfortable. If you've ever had to change a job, if you've ever had to change, uh, you know, when I went from PC to Mac, that was very uncomfortable. If I told you this morning, I want all of us to get up and change who you're sitting next to. Some of you would rebel and run out the door or curse me with words. I don't know. Because it's uncomfortable, right? 
Change can be very uncomfortable. I think of Moses. Moses, when God came to him, he would have been out in the wilderness, you know, uh, backside of the wilderness, and God met him in a burning bush, and you know the story. And God said, I want to change some things in you. I want to change some things about you. In fact, I want you to become my voice. I want you to become my ambassador to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And and Moses, who out in the wilderness, I don't know how he developed this problem with speech, because there was not many people to talk to out there. Maybe that was the problem. He didn't have a lot of practice. And he said, you know, I, I, can't, I can't talk very well. And I just, in fact, he refused at first because he was uncomfortable. He was insecure. He was obscure and insecure. And God said, I'm going to take you out of obscurity. And out of your insecurity and move you into a place of prominence and position with God and man. And he said no because it was uncomfortable. And God made him more uncomfortable and said, you don't want to hack me off here. Change is inevitable. It's uncomfortable. Number three, change is verifiable. True change, there's evidence. Some people say they're Christian. You ask people, are you a Christian? They say, well, I believe in God. But let me tell you something. The evidence of being a Christian is a transformed life. Just because you say you're a believer, that doesn't mean you're born again. That doesn't mean you're a Christian. It means you believe that God exists. And so now, true change is verifiable. And some people say, man, I've been changed by the power of the blood. Hallelujah. But they live just like they've always lived. And there's no evidence that they've been changed. I think that they just got something, but they didn't get born again. Are you with me? And so change is verifiable. In fact, one of my favorite passages concerning this uh, uh, says that, uh, that, w- that change, it's in, in reference to change and, and experiencing the love of God, First John uh, chapter 2, I think it's verse 9, he says, you know what? If you say you love God and you hate your brother or you hate people, you're just lying And it's not real and the truth is not in you. And so we need to embrace this reality about change. It's verifiable. In other words, if we're going to let God do some things in us, we got to really let God do some things within us. We just can't say it. We just can't hope it. We've got to prepare our life so God can do something different in us. Are you with me? Say amen. Change is verifiable. Number four, hey, change is biblical. It's very biblical. In fact, in our own life, Second uh, Corinthians 3.18 talks about the as we behold Him, we are transformed or changed as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord works evidence within our life, transformation in our life. The word change, the word transformation is where we get the word metamorphosis. Like a little old uh, ooey-gooey worm is transformed into a beautiful butterfly. That's transformation. That's change. Everyone say change is biblical. And God wants to change some things in your life. He wants to transfer transform some things in your life. In fact, when you look to Scripture, you'll discover these amazing transformations that happen. Uh, we had this... Uh, uh, how can I say this without taking too long? Uh, Beverly and I are in a 
a, a, a changing time. We sold our house in Lumberton and now we're looking for another house and we're, we're changing some things. We're in the middle of change and some people think we're pathetic or something because we got a travel trailer over here and we're staying in the travel trailer a little bit. I'm just following the lead of Michael and Lyric. They did it for a while and so I thought if they can do it, I can do it. And so we've been camping out. It's been fun. And we had Beverly's birthday party in the camper because the kids love the camper. We loaded them up with sugar and spice and everything nice. And then they bounced off all four walls of the camper. Well, that, that day, Laura came by to decorate the camper with a little banner. And Jojo was in the car. And I said, he said, I want to go in the camper. And I said, well, you can't. Mama's coming right back. He, and he said, he said, you know, in the camper. I said, yeah, in the camper. He said, there's, there's chairs that transform into beds. How old is Jojo? He's about to be three. He's using the word transform. But I don't think it's because of the Bible. Transformers. But he understands the principle. He's about to be four. He's three, about to be four. And so, hey, it's biblical. Let me give you four quick biblical transformations we've seen in the history of humanity. Number one, it began a long, long time ago in the Garden of Eden. Four big biblical shifts. The first one is there was a shift from the garden to the grave. Adam and Eve in the garden, whoo, everything's great, everything's perfect, but sin came along and now the grave was introduced. And from that point, everybody's in sin, everybody's going to die, everybody, if they don't get born again later, they're going to go to hell, okay? And so well, there was a big biblical shift because of sin's entrance into the world. It was Adam and Eve in the garden, whoo, everything's great, to the place where they were separated from God. And now all they had to look forward to was the grave. It's the bibli- a huge biblical shift. Everybody say, uh, shifts are biblical. Here's another one. Uh, and, and it came along pretty quick after that. It's the shift from the law of God to the grace of God. You see, the law of God, all the law. Everybody go, everybody furrow your brow and say, the law. The law that you read in the Old Testament, the Bible basically says it was given as a babysitter to the children of Israel to just hold them in check until this shift could happen. And that's the grace of God. You see, it it was never God's intent to cause man to live under the law. It was always God's intent for man to live under the grace of God. And it was a huge, everybody go, huge. If you say it like I I do, you can become a preacher one day. Everybody go, huge. It was a huge biblical shift from the law of God to the grace of God. In fact, a lot of the legalists, they just couldn't get it. They didn't go down the road of the shift. But man, I wish I had time to read Romans 4 to you, read Hebrews to you, where it says, man, God, Jesus came along and no longer are you under the law, but you're under grace. For by grace, you're saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Romans 5 says, for we are justified 
made righteous just as if we'd never sinned by faith. It's no longer by the blood of bulls and goats that you are able to keep from dying. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ that move us into the age of grace where it's not by works which we have done, but according to his mercy that he saved us. Not by the washing of regen, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say amen and play the organ just a little bit while I go hallelujah. Woo. It's biblical. Here's another one. There was a shift from Jesus' earthly ministry to the church's earthly ministry. John 14. Ooh, I love John 14. You can read it later. He says, you know, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Act, stop. What? You're going? Yeah, I go to prepare a place for you. And that's when they began. But where are you going? We don't know the way. We want to go. He said, no, this is a, this is a shift. I'm leaving. You're staying. And they got very uncomfortable. Because change is uncomfortable. And so he keeps trying to motivate them. He said, listen, the works that I do shall you do also. Even greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father. Because of this shift, you're going to do the works that I used to do. There's a transference of ministry now. It's, it's from my earthly ministry to the church. It's time for the church to be Jesus, hands extended in the world. And, 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 and you're going to do the same works that I, and even greater works than these that, that you'll do because I go to the Father and they're still looking like, at him like, And he said, oh, by the way, I know this is a little uncomfortable. This is my words. So because this shift is uncomfortable, I think I'll send you the comforter to comfort you in the middle of this uncomfortable moment and then throughout your life. In fact, the comforter will never leave you or forsake you. He'll be just like me in the spirit, but he'll live on the inside of you and he'll fill you and he'll empower you to, f- to fulfill your role of responsibility uh, on planet earth. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the Holy Ghost. But there's one more big biblical shift that's yet future. It's the shift from the church's earthly ministry to the church's heavenly ministry. Because we'll not always be here. In fact, when Jesus, the resurrected Christ, as He ascended there to heaven after 40 days of supernatural ministry with the, with the, with the disciples and others there in the upper room and all throughout that area, the angels said, why are you standing here gazing into heaven? This same Jesus is coming again. And that's when this old world we realize is not our home. That life on earth is only temporary. Bless June Christopher's heart. She lived 90 years on planet earth. But early Saturday morning, 
she stepped into her heavenly ministry and saw him face to face. But that's in the future. Until then, we've got to prepare ourselves because God wants to lead us into greater days. But if we're going to be led into greater days, we've got to prepare our ways for greater days. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got to prepare your ways for greater days. You gotta prepare your ways for greater days. Let me give you, uh, uh, let me give you the last one then. This will kind of just get you started. This is, this is just the introduction. Here we go. Uh, number five, uh, not only is change inevitable and uncomfortable and verifiable and biblical, it begins and it is, everybody say it, internal. Before you ever see anything, now you, I'm just gonna make sure everybody's listening. Look up at me. Is everybody listening? Look up at me. Everybody listening. It's not even close to 12. In fact, I'm stalling. Before you ever see anything change out there. In fact, oh man, everybody woo, looks out there and go, oh man, that needs to change. We need a new president. I just, I, I, I didn't mean to say that. I'm sorry. Somebody, I need a new husband. I need a new job. I need a new body. You're going to get one one day. It won't cost you $10,000 either. I want, I want to change something out there before anything changes out there. It's got to change in here. It's internal. From the inside out, for goodness sake. And if you want to walk into your greater days, you got to prepare your heart in new ways. And let God change some things on the inside. And get healed up, for goodness sake. Let me give you three big internal shifts that all of us must embrace in our life as believers. And if you don't embrace these, you will miss your greater days. Let me tell you something. If you had a won the Powerball last night, I know you bought a ticket. I know. I did too. You know, the odds are astronomical that you win. And I, I don't, listen, I'm just getting sidetracked. I'm stalling. I tell people, well, what's your odds if you don't buy a ticket? <laughs> I'm not suggesting it. I'm just saying, hey, I know you bought one. Even if you'd have won the Powerball last night, if nothing changed in here, you're a man or woman most miserable. Everything could change out there because of what money could buy. You'd be miserable. You'd have, you'd wear alligator shoes and can't walk right. You'd have a mansion and not really be living. You'd have a refrigerator full of food and can't eat because something on the inside's all messed up. And so it's internal. Let me give you three big things. A shift. When you give your life to Christ, there must be a shift of ownership. 
You are not your own. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says this. It says, we've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, which belongs to God. You are not your own. Everybody say, I'm not my own. Somebody, some people have this attitude, man, I'm my, own, I'm my own boss, bless God. Well, you may think your own boss until one day. In fact, I tell, I tell parents about their kids, if you don't, if you don't break that streak of rebellion in your kids, and I know some of you think, my kids don't have rebellion in their hearts. Yes, they do. They were born in sin. And if they don't learn to uh, yield to authority in, in, in your house, they will at school. If they don't learn in school, they'll learn in jail. If they don't learn in jail, they'll learn in prison. And if they don't learn in prison, they will learn in eternity that at some point every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All of us have to have a big shift in our life and realize I don't belong to me anymore. I don't belong to the devil anymore. I belong to God. I am not my own. I am His. And He is mine. It's a shift that if you don't make, you'll never move into the greater days in your life that God has for you. The second one is this. It's a shift of leadership. Because you make the shift of ownership, then you must make the shift of leadership. And and that's who's in charge. Who leads your life? Some of you sitting here today, listen to me carefully. God, I, I'm just going to tell you, I know, I know humanity. I've been doing this a while. I know people. For some of you, Jesus is not leading your life. You're living your own life, going your own way, and somehow expecting God to bless you. Jesus looked at his disciples there by the sea in Matthew 4 when, when they were just doing their own thing, fishing, just living life. And Jesus walked into the middle of their stuff. He walked into the middle of their life and he got in their boat and he rattled their cage and he changed their life and he transformed the way they think about life. And, and they began to realize this is the Lord. And he said this to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Change who you're following. If you'll follow me, I'll train, change some things in your life. You want some things to change? Hey, listen, fishermen were the lowly of the lowlies. You want to get out of that? You want to move from barrenness to blessedness? Let me tell you something. You just start, you change who's in charge of your life. You start letting me be the Lord and the leader of your life. Things will begin to change for you. It's a shift that we got to make not only here, but here. It's not in church attendance. It's not just being good and no smoking, chewing, going with the girls that do. It's an internal transformation of life. And let me tell you something. If you say you love Him and you're not following Him, I think you're just confused. It's a shift of ownership. It's a shift of leadership that all of us must make on the inside. And that leads us to a shift of relationship. Who we fellowship with and who we love. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 22. He said, let me, let me change the, let me change the rules. You religious people have been following, trying to follow rules. Let me, let me give you two great commandments. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Make that shift. Three big internal shifts that when you begin to make them, it'll change everything around you. 
Every, it'll change how you look at your past. It'll change how you look at others. It'll transform how you look at your future. It'll transform how you look at your present. Everything will begin to change. If you want to move from barrenness to blessedness, here's a good place to start. Just like Isaiah 54. Change the way you think. Change your attitude. Stop complaining and start singing. Stop whining and moaning about Well, I just be honest with you. A whole boatload of people, all they spend their time here. Here's a great place to start. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I'm singing today a new song. I'm worshiping you today. There's greater days for me today. I'm preparing my ways for greater days. Ooh, I feel it in my bones this morning. Everybody do this. Everybody do this. Ooh, I'm preparing my ways for greater days. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I'm not going to live in the camper all my life. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Not going to have to worry about bills all my life. Hallelujah. Whoo. I'm preparing. You know what Beverly and I are doing when we sold our house? We're preparing our days for greater Print our ways for greater days. Only house payment I got is one somebody else is paying. Whew, thank you, Jesus. I don't have a car payment. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. I don't have a credit card bill. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. We're preparing our days, our, our ways for greater days. Financially, spiritually, in every way. So here we are. How about you today? How many of you just want to just stay right where you are, bless the Lord? I think I'll just stay right here in this old mess and just whine about it for a few more years. Well, you just stay right there. I'm going on down the pipe. Hallelujah. Amen. Nobody's going to come to your party and whine with you and complain with you. But I tell you, a party you can get a hold of preparing your days for greater ways. I can jump on board with that. Amen. How about you? Let's stand up together. Father, we thank you today for greater days.
We thank you, Lord, that you've got a plan for our life. We thank you, Lord, that it's not barrenness. It's not brokenness. It's not bitterness. It's not, it's not trouble and trauma, Lord. You've got better days for us. Lord, and we just want to embrace the better days. And we, don't, Lord, don't want to look back. But, Lord, we want to look forward for greater days. And, Lord, we want to begin to sing the song of the Lord. We want to begin to allow you to change us from the inside out. We embrace the changes today that you have for us. And, Lord, if there's anyone here that needs to change who's in charge of their life, I pray, Lord, to today they would make that shift if there's anyone here that still needs to shift and change who owns them and who's in charge of their life i pray lord they'd make that shift and begin to look to you and yield their lives to your governance and your authority in every way and as the worship team you're going to lead us in a simple worship moment and when they begin, listen to what I want us to do. If you're with me today and you can say, Pastor, I'm with you, man. I'm all over this. I don't want to just dream for greater days. I want to prepare my ways for greater days. I don't want to just sit and hope some knock on wood. I, I just hope it happens. I want to do whatever I can do. Lengthen my cords, strengthen my stakes, expand to the left and right. Do what I've got to prepare my life for God to fill it. I've got to prepare my heart so God can fill it with greater ways and greater days. If that's you, as soon as they begin to sing, I don't know what they're going to sing, but as soon as they sing, if that's something in you says, I'm, that's how I'm going to start my year. I'm going to shift some things in my life. I'm going to change some things in my life. Hey, if you want some things to change, you might better start changing some things. So as soon as they sing, if that's you, and you say, ooh, pastor, I feel a shift. I feel, I feel a spiritual shifting in the spiritual atmosphere. I feel changes coming in my life. And oh, I don't want to miss them. 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 And as soon as we sing, you come this way. Let's do it right now. If that's you, we're going to pray together. We're going to ask God to help us make the change.